Hi, I'm Dawn Zelay Abernathy, and you are listening to TV Confidential with host Ed Robertson. Richard Matheson, of course, was an established novelist and writer of short stories before leaving his mark on film and television. He wrote some of the most famous episodes of The Twilight Zone, as well as The Enemy Within, one of the most famous episodes of the original Star Trek, as well as some of the best made-for-TV movies ever made, including Duel, The Morning After, and the original Night Stalker. Our friend Mark Dwidziak not only covered Richard Matheson's career, he worked with Richard Matheson and got to know him very well. Mark, sad occasion, but good to have you back on the program nonetheless. Well, yes, exactly. Sad occasion to, to be back on the program, but always a pleasure to speak with you, Ed. Mo- most of us think of Richard Matheson as a genre writer, be that science fiction, be that the genre of horror stories. You make the case that Richard Matheson was a great American writer, period. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 we have gotten into the, the, in America and in the pop culture, we love to label things. We love to be able to put a, a label on something and identify it. It's, it's why, in a sense, that sometimes a director like Hitchcock's career is a lot more celebrated than a lot of his contemporaries because we can say suspense director Alfred Hitchcock. He specialized in one form. And you look at somebody who was all over the map a little bit, who showed a lot more versatility. Versatility can actually work against you in our culture, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing thing. You would think it would work for you, but it doesn't. And, you know, a director like Robert Wise is not as celebrated as a Hitchcock, but when you put Robert Wise's credits all together, you go, my goodness, look at everything the man did. (laughs) You know, same thing with Howard Hawks. You look at everything Howard Hawks did. Well, Madison was sort of like that as a writer. He, uh, he he wrote in many many different genres. He knew, and he said, you know, he said to me once that when I succumb, and he used the word succumb. He said, when I succumb, it's going to say science fiction writer Richard Matheson dies. And exactly, I, I think that was the headline on four or five of the obituaries that I saw. Mm-hmm. And as he pointed out, very little of what he wrote actually qualified as science fiction. You know, a great deal of it falls into the the greater category of fantasy, and um, specifically, more of it falls into the realm of horror. But again, even that sells him short, because he wrote war stories, he wrote westerns, uh, he wrote spence stories, he was an amazing writer, and what's more importantly is how he approached thematically what he did. It happened to be what was selling in the 50s. You know, because I asked him once, you know, how did you end up writing science fiction, horror, and fantasy? And he said, well, that's what was selling mm-hmm. when I came along. Mm-hmm. You know, when he started in the ni- around 1950 to sell stories, those magazines were out there like Amazing Stories and Amazing Fantasy, and that's what was how he could support himself as a writer. So, the same themes would have come through, no matter what he was writing. He happened to find expression for these profound American themes in the form of horror and fantasy and science fiction, which, as you know, Ed, are tremendously metaphoric mm-hmm. genres. There's always, you know, there, there, there are amazing filters for examining the human spirit and our culture and our society. And that's what Richard did. Uh, time and time again with his writing. And that's why I make the case that he's a great American writer. 
he was writing about the American character in the 1950s, and he was addressing themes that a lot of writers weren't at that point. And uh, he was certainly, the, the growing sense of isolation and isolationism that exists in the human spirit in the 50s in America that you see reflected in a lot of the movies and mm-hmm. a lot of the novels of that period, Richard was tackling that head-on in, in a lot of his stories. The sense of that is very strong in his work. I understand that uh, personally, as a young man, he had issues of isolation that he was struggling with. Yes, yes. He, he always said that, you know, he always felt like an outsider. He always felt that sense of, of isolation. And you can certainly see that in Incredible Shrinking Man, mm-hmm. which, of course, you know, his title was The Shrinking Man. Mm-hmm. You see it in I Am Legend, where it is literally the loner against the overwhelming odds. Uh, you see it again and again in his stories. Richard always claimed that he got past it because he had a very happy marriage, mm-hmm. a very happy home life, and uh, you know, devoted to his children, and they to him. And then he wrote the ultimate story about it, and that was Duel. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he could top Duel. He had he made his final statement on it with that story, the loner against the odds, out there by himself. Once he had done that, he felt like he had, I think, exercised those demons, and there was no need to return to it. Duel, of course, was one of the movies that put Steven Spielberg on the map. Uh, uh, it was it was made for uh, the ABC movie of the weekend in uh, 1970. Two, uh, at, at a time when uh, Spielberg was under contract with Universal. He had done some television, most notably uh, prior to that, the pilot for Night Gallery, which is another Richard Mathis and Rod Serling connection. Then, of course, Spielberg, within a couple of years, made his first feature uh, motion picture, Sugarland Express, and, of course, he was on his way after that. But I, I think Duel is it. I mean, you, you can look at that television work at Universal, the segment that he did for Night Gallery, which was Eyes, you could see the the, uh, the episode of Columbo he did, Murder by the Book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at that, that early television work, and you can see this sort of gathering storm yeah. of talent. But I think Duel is the thing that really made people sit up and take notice. It was such an incredible movie. And, and Richard always said, you know, that he had much better luck on the TV movie side of it than he did on the theatrical film side that when you stack up his best TV movies against the movies, the TV movies win because they are among the best TV movies made. Uh, you mentioned Duel, uh, Trilogy of Terror, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing movie still that holds up very, very well. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Jack Palance, which was compromised by CBS, but nonetheless is an amazing piece of work. The Night Stalker, The Night Strangler, mm-hmm. which is a terrific sequel. The Morning After. That body of TV movie work from the early 70s is staggeringly good. And it's not to say there are not good theatrical films made from his work. I mean, I, I still would like a faithful and well-made version of I Am Legend. That mm-hmm. would be very nice. <laughs> um, however... <laughs> But the Shrinking Man, is, the Incredible Shrinking Man, is not a bad movie, um, and Somewhere in Time is not a bad movie. There are good movies uh, based on his work. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. I want to go back to a point you just made 
mark, uh, which is uh, Richard felt that the television adaptations of his work uh, were much better, a much better quality than the theatrical motion picture adaptations of his work. Uh, when when you said that, I immediately thought of the old adage, which you know and which is true in television, is that television is the producer's medium, uh, feature motion pictures is the director's medium, and the producer uh, that Richard worked with on many, collaborated with on many, many occasions, and I know he worked very closely with, uh, was Dan Curtis, and I could see how Richard would say that given his relationship with Dan and given how what, the, what mutual respect there was between Richard and Dan. Well, yes, and, and, and even better than that, even better than that, you look at the three of the main producers that Richard worked with over the years in television, Rod Serling, Gene Roddenberry, and Dan Curtis. Mm-hmm. The, that's the triumvirate. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is the, the, the group of people who everybody who does fantasy television today you know, everybody who does anything, and that's a, uh, an army of people, should get down and genuflect too, because these are the that were, those are the people who showed that fantasy could be used in deeply metaphoric ways to comment on society, uh, and you didn't have to worry about the sponsors or the censors or anybody else. You could get anything you wanted by, and these three guys were the pioneers. They were the ones who showed the way for a generations of people who followed and did what they did and yes but of the three dan and richard are the odd couple Mm -hmm. because you know richard was very soft-spoken dan was he was a longshoreman in a producer's house you know he he had a mouth on him like nobody's business a great entertaining i always told dan he should do a one-man show because I said, you know, you are the best storyteller. I have never mind the stories you've told on the screen. You are a great storyteller. You know, Dan have you in stitches on, you know, just the way he could he could spin a story. But Richard was soft spoken and reserved, and yet, and and and, they, they, and of course, you know, Richard always told the story that uh, he he nearly got himself killed the first time he met Dan Curtis. He, he was on Night Stalker because mm-hmm. they met on Night Stalker, and uh, when he found that Dan was assigned to be the producer. Um, and they had their first meeting, and Richard was assigned to adapt Jeff Rice's novel. Richard had found out that somebody had made a lowball offer on he, one of his novels, and it was an insulting offer. And he found out that it was Dan Curtis who made the offer. <laughs> so he went in with this kind of resentment, this chip on his shoulder. Uh-huh. First meeting with Dan, and you know it was very cool to him throughout the whole meeting and as richard said later i'm lucky he didn't throw me out the window i didn't know that this guy had this magnificent temper was, you know this huge guy um but dan flattered him dan just said something to the length of you know the fact that we have richard matheson who is the greatest person who does this sort of thing and you know and and that warmed him up to to, to richard and richard warmed up to him and of course they had a very long and fruitful collaboration. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, 
have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you.